Welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, Behind Enemy Bylines, the preseason preview podcast. I'm Owen Warden, your host for this podcast miniseries, where I'll talk with several student journalists from a few of Georgia's opponents for the 2023 season. Next up is Jacob Waters from Auburn, Georgia's fifth opponent of the season. Alrighty, and we're back with another preseason preview podcast. With me, a special guest hailing from the lands of Auburn, Alabama. Jacob, go ahead and intru- introduce yourself, man. Yeah, my name is um, Jacob Waters. I'm the sports editor here at Auburn, the uh, Auburn Plainsman, the uh, school student newspaper, and I'm super excited to be here. Absolutely. No, it, it, it's we're, I'm absolutely pumped to have you, man. Um, but obviously, Auburn had a very interesting season last year. A um, lot, of, lot of downs, some fun ups. So let's go ahead, and if you don't mind, just how was last year for Auburn? Right. I mean, obviously when Brian Harson was still in charge, it was really, really bad. Um, I think I didn't believe Auburn's two and five when uh, they decided to fire him. You know, he had the twenty-nine point home loss to Penn State. I think that's kind of that kind of really like showed, like, hey, this is not not gonna work. And then Auburn travels to Georgia, gets clobbered there. And then Arkansas comes comes into Auburn. And destroys Auburn again, which, in my opinion, playing at Jordan Hare Stadium, um, a team or a program like Arkansas should never really come in and beat Auburn by at least more than two touchdowns. Um, and that's exactly exactly what happened. But then after that, when uh, Cadillac Williams took over, um, Auburn started playing like more like an Auburn team. They had like a lot more identity. Uh, you could tell that the uh, players really wanted to play for Cadillac. And um, even though Auburn lost two of those games under Cadillac, it just Auburn looked so much better, uh, just like running the ball so much more, which Auburn really needed to, to do the entire time, like the entire season. Because um, Robbie Ashford, he, he's not a great passer, but he is incredibly dangerous with his legs. Um, so when Cadillac took over and finally started just running read option over and over again, Auburn actually looked a lot, lot like a lot better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I remember the shift. I think I think a lot of people remember that shift from Harson to Cadillac and. There was a reason that people were claiming and, and wanting Cadillac to get that head coaching job at the end of the year. Yeah, um, yeah, and no, I think that those are totally valid. Um, and he's obviously a guy who knows Auburn and adores Auburn. I mean, every single post-game press conference, he was, he had, like, tears in his eyes talking about how grateful he was. So, I mean, obviously, I think anybody vouching for a Cadillac to be head coach would definitely had a, a valid reason, too. No, absolutely. But ultimately, they didn't go with Cadillac. Um, now, they did get Cadillac back, which is crazy to me. I mean, that, that never happens, but I guess that shows how much he loved that program, huh? But let's talk about who they did hire. Yeah, I mean, so obviously, Hugh Freeze is coming in. He has he has his history, but it, coming in, it seems like he knows kind of how the SEC works. Obviously, it's from his time at Ole Miss. I think that's really what Auburn needed. They didn't need to go out to Idaho and get a guy who's never – touch foot in the south um so i think bringing hugh freeze was i think a good hire even though there's obviously the the history attached to it but um as long as he can behave himself then i think it'll be good and then for uh at offensive coordinator the um Hugh freeze brought in philip montgomery he was he was the uh head coach at tulsa last last season and defensive coordinator ron roberts from baylor um and like you said cadillac is still on the coaching staff which i think was really impressive to keep him uh, he also got a promotion to associate head coach. And then Zach Etheridge also ended up staying at Auburn. I know I think there were some links with him, maybe going to Georgia for a time there. But, he, you know, he also played at Auburn. And then you got Marcus Davis as the receivers coach, who also used to play at Auburn. So you, got, you just have a lot of Auburn ties in the coaching staff, which I think 
was honestly really the uh, right way to go under Freeze. Oh, 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 absolutely. I mean, you've seen Georgia fans and, and, and people that follow the program here can see the amount of, I mean, Brian McClendon and, and guys like that that were here through this program and, and are still here as coaches. I mean, it's clear, it's clearly been beneficial for Georgia. So getting those getting those homegrown guys, I think, is really valuable. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's really nothing better than hiring a coach who knows how, especially all those guys, they wanted Auburn, you know, Cadillac. 13 and 0 when he was running back in 2004. Zach Etheridge won a national championship at Auburn. Uh, Marcus Davis had some good seasons too. So it's not, and they've also proved themselves as coaches too. So it's not like they're just hiring a guy just because he went to Auburn. They they have the uh, a good track record in coaching. Absolutely. I st- I mean Cadillac is one of those guys that now that he is a coach and and, and especially getting that head coaching position, it made me feel old. Right. Yeah. Only, yeah. Totally. Like I'm only 21, and yet I'm like I remember watching this dude in college, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's wild. <laughs> and I mean, there's a million different examples, but yeah, Cadillac is just one of the bigger ones for me. But we talked about a lot about coaching changes, right? A lot of guys left the program. A lot of guys ended up staying. But let's get right let's get right down to the roster. There was a with with any coaching change, no matter what, even with Cadillac sticking around, a lot of players are going to end up leaving, whether that's through the transfer portal, which has boomed as of late, but also the NFL draft. Auburn always puts out at least a couple guys. So who are some of the key players that did end up leaving? Right. Uh, well, first of all, let's talk about the NFL draft. You know, yeah, Derek Hall, who was first team All-SEC last year. I mean, that's obviously a big loss. Uh, he was always incredible at Auburn. And then you lose running back Tank Bixby to the draft. Um, that's another big loss. He was so talented uh, I feel like sometimes you just didn't have the coaching or the offensive line to like really prove how good he was but that's it's easy to notice how talented he is and then um you had um Lincoln on his name but yeah those were the two big guys that um the first two picks from Auburn um that will be really really hard to uh, replace and then as for the transfer portal there wasn't really like a star player actually that entered the transfer portal those were mostly the guys in the NFL draft that we just talked about but, you know, you lost T.J. Finley uh, to the to the portal. You know, he, played a, he started a number of games at quarterback. You know, <laughs> Auburn fans will have their opinion on him. But um, he's still a guy who had snaps under his name. It was in a quarterback battle. Um, and then you had Landon King. He was a rec- tall, smooth receiver. He transferred to Utah. Uh, he never really played that much at Auburn, but it, you could tell how talented he was. I think a lot of Auburn fans were expecting him to take that jump this year. Um and then a last last one, who I thought was a pretty big loss was uh, Jeffrey Emba. He played a uh, defensive end, but he was the uh, number one JUCO player um, out of his class a couple couple years ago. He uh, ended up at Purdue. So I'd say those are kind of the three big guys that you know you lost, and um, you got to find a way to replace them. No, absolutely, and and you just mentioned it there. Find a way to replace them. I think Hugh Freeze did that in spades. One of the top transfer classes in the country who did they bring in from the portal and and even a little bit of that recruiting class as well right yeah I mean 21 guys are coming in from the portal and 19 guys from high school so I mean that's basically half your team is gonna be newcomers um but yeah I mean the big ones from the portal uh you brought in Peyton Thorne from Michigan State he's a quarterback he uh wasn't as good last year but the uh year before when they had Kenneth Walker over at Michigan State, he had a really good year, and he broke a lot of records at Michigan State. Uh, I think that's the big one. And then on the offensive line, I mean, you know how bad Auburn's offensive line has been probably like for five years now. The, Auburn running a bunch of quality guys that will start right away. Uh, they got 
Dylan Wade from Tulsa. You know, he played under Philip Montgomery at Tulsa. Uh, and then at right tackle, you got Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky. Those are two just huge guys just watching them in spring. Uh, and they're just, they look like they're built to play in the SEC. And then at center, you'll have Avery Jones from uh, Eastern Kentucky. So I think something Freeze like really zoned in on when he was hired at Auburn was to revamp that offensive line because it's just so – I mean, Auburn's offensive line recruiting has been absolutely putrid in the past few years. Uh, so I think Freeze noticed that, and he's like, I got to get some guys from the portal. And he did that did that really well. Um, and then there's a couple receivers too. You got uh, Jair Shorter from North Texas. Uh, he's just a home run threat every time. I, mean, I believe he only had – Probably like 15 catches, but like he was 20 yards per catch, and he had six or seven touchdowns. So half of his catches went for touchdowns. And then you got Shane Hooks from Jackson State. Um, uh, he had over 700 yards last season and 10 touchdowns. So, I mean, those are – I think offensively, in the past few seasons, Auburn's really struggled on the offensive line and at receivers. And I think uh, Freeze did a really good job at attacking those needs um, – and bringing guys, like I said, like shorter hooks, um, Britton, Wade, and Jones to uh, plug in, plug in those holes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I really there's a lot of other play. I mean, Rivaldo Fairweather is a guy that I really like at that tight end position. Which you guys already got Luke Deal, so I mean, there's it, it's already a solid tight end room. But I thought just that was just a great addition to really help out, especially with the old line concerns. Right. No, I agree. And um. Luke Dealey's always been more of like a blocking tight end in Auburn. Uh, he can catch, but then bringing Fairweather, he's a guy that you could even he's pretty he's pretty skinny, so you could kind of line him up at receiver, kind of like Florida did with like Kyle Pitts um, a few years ago. So I think he'll I think he'll probably be in that role, basically, kind of like just a glorified uh, receiver. Like he'll he'll he's listed at tight end, but he'll also line up like in the slot and uh, catching passes out there. I uh, forgot to mention from high school. Uh, one guy who, I mean, really, like, the whole team is talking about is Keldrick Falk. Um, he'll obviously be a true freshman this year, and he's playing at uh, Jack Linebacker. And that's a spot where Auburn got a couple guys from the portal, but neither of them are really, like, that proven. Um, yeah, you had Elijah McAllister, who has played in the SEC, but, you know, he didn't have a huge role at Vanderbilt. So I think Keldrick Falk is, could be a guy that, Maybe he doesn't begin the season as a starter, but by week six or seven, it'll be impossible to keep him off the field. I mean, everybody has just been raving about him. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that he's playing Jack linebacker is really interesting because I know he played a lot of defensive line yeah. in high school. Yeah, he so did. Mm. That's, just, that's just a testament to his kind of athleticism. As I mean, Georgia fans and, and people like that will look back at a guy like Trayvon Walker, right? He came in as a as a D-tackle, right? Ended up playing edge and, and was the number one pick at that spot. So guys that can move around like that, Pretty impressive. Right, especially as a true freshman coming in and just, you know, just taking that. Like, yeah, I mean, I've played defensive line, but I'll move to Jack Linebacker and uh, try, just help, try to help the team there. Oh, absolutely. And then another freshman that I really like uh, is, is Connor Liu, just a, a, a kid out of Georgia. I know um, we were talking a little bit at SEC Media Days, um, and, I mean, that's a guy that that O-line really likes. That's a guy that could step in at center pretty quickly, I see, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I remember first – First press comments we had with Freeze um, at the start of spring practices, somebody asked him about freshmen that could play, and he said Connor Lou is definitely one. He's one that we really can't keep off the field. Um, I also see him maybe playing a little bit of guard because you know, the tackles are pretty set. Center's pretty set for right now, but the guards are kind of in question. I feel like um, 
he can you can you can plug him in at guard, and if somebody gets hurt at guard, you could put him in there too. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's definitely a really really impressive guy. Oh yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do, and and that's just again a Georgia native that um that I've just kind of looked at and stuff like that. And he just seems like a good player, and then just one of those guys that I'm curious to see because after the Jamison Williams stuff with Alabama, any Ohio State transfer, any Ohio State wide receiver transfer is interesting. So it'll be curious to see what Caleb Burton can do for this team. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously. If Ohio State wants you as a receiver, you got to be pretty good. Um, I know he didn't have any stats last season just because just in a stacked wide receiver room. But like I said, I mean, if Ohio State is bringing you in as a receiver, you got to be pretty pretty talented. So I think he could definitely uh, have a pretty big role this year. Oh, for sure. But obviously, with all of that amazing, just a wide array of people that you brought in, but of course, had plenty of retentions. Um, do you mind just go ahead and going into some of the guys that you think might be key that came back to this team for another year? Yeah, I mean, my first thoughts are uh, at corner, you got DJ James and uh, Nehemiah Pritchett. Both of them definitely could have gone to the NFL draft. Um, they wouldn't have been like a first or second round pick, but they would have been in those mid rounds. Um, but both of them elected to come back to Auburn for uh, one final season. Those are two guys that uh, just instantly come to mind. And then at receiver, you got Javaris Johnson. He's just kind of been, the past two years, he's been probably Auburn's most consistent receiver. Um, he's an absolute threat with the ball in his hands. He is unbelievably fast. Um, he has a small frame, so he's not like a, you don't really throw it up to him, expect him to go get it. But you can just dump it off to him in the flat and he'll take off. Um, that's a big one. And then you got Jark Bless Hunter coming back at running back. Um, you know, he'll finally get that starting role that uh, I feel like he's, Obviously, he's wanted since he was a freshman here. Um, there's just there's are four pretty big guys coming back. Um, and you also got uh, Jalen Simpson from Georgia. You know, he started off at a corner, played there a lot at a corner last year. Wasn't really doing that hot. But then they moved him to safety about halfway through the season, and he really looked really, really good. Um, and so I expect him to be a starter back there. Um, so, yeah, those are a few guys coming back um, from last season's team that I expect to have a big season. Absolutely. And, I mean, Jarquez Hunter alone, I mean, gosh, that's going to be so helpful, especially there – I mean, and we'll get into it in just a little bit on kind of the, the competition and stuff like that, but Peyton Thorne has proven to be a pretty good quarterback when he's got a good running back, and I think Jarquez Hunter is that kind of guy, you know. And, and they even brought in Brian Batty, too, to, to help out with that stuff, so – that whoever does end up winning that quarterback battle, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, I think the fact that Auburn's running back room, led by Cadillac Williams, is going to be really interesting. But speaking of spring season, when these competition battles are taking place, um, you know, you got the spring game, that's what you're seeing a lot. But before that spring game can even happen, we got spring practice. Who were some of the names that you were kind of hearing that were kind of popping out during that process? Um, well, like I said earlier, the first one that came to mind was Keldrick Falk um, at that jack position. You know, you had coaches talking about him. You had players talking about him. You had guys on offense who aren't really even – I guess they're practicing against him, so that's why they can see how good he is. Um, that was – I mean, everybody was talking talking about him. And then a few other guys, you know, I think Rivaldo Fairweather, uh, just seeing him in person, you can, he, he just looks like an SEC player. Um, and it's, it's hard to say because so many – of so many players from Auburn's transfer portal class came in after spring. So we haven't really gotten a chance to see a lot of them, um, or they haven't really gotten a chance to practice all together. But uh, Keldrick Falk, 
Fairweather, and then, like we said, Connor Lou, uh, he's another one getting a lot of talk. Um, Freeze also had a lot of good things to say about Robbie Ashford. Um, that was, you know, Peyton Thorne, he came in after spring. So they haven't really gotten a chance to compete against each other yet. But Freeze, you know, he kept saying, Ashford, he's just, he's a lot lot smarter with the ball in his hands now. He, you know, he's not making as many dangerous passes and that he's just always, always in the office looking, trying to study film, trying to get better. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few guys who uh, I would say stood out during spring. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, no, that's the interesting thing that, that Auburn added a lot of guys kind of late in the process through that transfer portal. So I know we didn't get, I know you specifically obviously didn't get to really see a lot of those guys shine and stuff like that. So it will be interesting kind of going into that week one and what might happen. But before we even get to week one, let's get to that spring game. Who from that game specifically to you really stood out and really kind of separated themselves? And who possibly maybe solved some of those depth chart position battles? Yeah, you know, it's hard to say because Auburn's spring game was played in a torrential downpour. So it was really, I mean, it was, I would barely even call it a spring game. Honestly, it was there's no really no passing at all, um, but I mean the running backs did look good. Um, I feel like I don't know if any battles really did get solved because of how bad the rain was. Like it was just, and I feel like that's all like a really bad disadvantage for Auburn because you know the spring is really valuable, um, but Auburn really just didn't get a chance to do really anything. Um, I don't think they even finished the game. Like they, I think they called it after the third quarter. Um, so it's just really it's really tough to say because. I mean, it was barely even football, honestly. So it's kind of, like I said, I don't really think any position battles really got solved. I don't think anybody kind of really stood out um, just because it was, it was just so difficult to do anything that day. No, absolutely. But you know what? You know what? They probably did learn. They learned which guys could battle the adversity of a torrential down. Right, right, definitely. <laughs> but another question, I mean, because not a lot of position battles were solved during that spring game because of uh, certain weather incidents, um, and because a lot of guys just weren't on campus yet, I did want to ask probably the biggest competition battle that Auburn is facing, and that's the quarterback position. In your opinion, from what you've seen from from uh, from Peyton Thorne, whether he was at Michigan State or from uh, from Robbie Ashford from last season alone, which one of those two guys are you kind of putting your your money on, so to speak? Right. Yeah. I mean, I w- right now I would say Peyton Thorne. I think he's just more fit to or he's built more to fit Freeze's offense. Um, and I think, I think Ashford is so dynamic that you can still play him, even if he's not a starter. But I think Thorne is much, much, much more accurate than uh, Ashford. Um, like I said, Ashford's always dangerous with the ball, but the accuracy problems are real. You know, he's 49% completion percentage last year, seven touchdowns and seven picks. I think Payton Thorne has, is, probably has a – a leg up on Ashford right now, even without going through spring. Um, I think he's just a, he's not, I don't think Peyton Thorne is a game changer, but I think he fits Auburn more. And, you know, you can, he's probably not going to throw for 300 yards, but you, you know, you, you're more, more confident in him just hitting the little underneath passes or across the middle than you are with uh, Robbie Ashford. Definitely. No, I could definitely see that. It's, I mean, I, I remember from the Georgia game last year, specifically Robbie Ashford, just the, the accuracy stuff was tough. So, that might that might just be something he needs to kind of mature into, you know. Um, yeah, no, it's a real issue, and you know, he started off at Oregon and he didn't play for the first two seasons. So you know, and, you know then being and he didn't start the season as the starter last year at Auburn, uh, Finley did. So then just kind of be thrown out there, 
first real snap in like, geez, like almost three years. You know, it probably, I feel like that's probably part of it. And he did suffer a lot of injuries last year. Um, he didn't miss any games. He just played through them. You know, he, he, I remember after the Iron Bowl, he saw that, like his shoulder was messed up in his second start. Um, so I feel like that's probably some of it. You know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that if he was fully healthy, he would have probably been a lot better. But I, I do still think that Thorne would have to be the guy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think that'll end up kind of taking shape, especially when we get into the, the upcoming regular season, which let's transition right into that. Let's talk about Auburn's schedule. You know, Auburn plays, you know, the last three national championships alone. That's going to be a, a constant every year. Um, even going out of division play, but go ahead and break down the the entire schedule of what Auburn's looking at. Who are some of the challenges, toughest teams they're facing, and what are you thinking about it? Yeah, I think um, well Auburn has UMass week one, which I'm not not gonna break that one down. I feel like uh, UMass is pretty pretty bad, but week two Auburn has to go all the way to Cal Berkeley to play them. I know Cal Berkeley hasn't been that great over the past few years, but when you think about Auburn, where this game is on the schedule and all the newcomers coming in, like it's going to take a few weeks to get everything, you know, everything rolling. Um, so I feel like I feel like Auburn will win that game against California and probably control it, but I think it'll be a lot closer than what a lot of Auburn fans are thinking right now. Um, I just think, you know, just, I mean, the whole team is new. It's going to take a while. And then going, you know, three hours over onto uh, California's time, you know, I think – it's just going to be a weird kind of new environment. Probably Auburn will probably come out slow. So that's what I'm looking at early. It's like I think Auburn's better than Cal, I think, but I think it will be a, a tough game. And then um, I think another big game is week four um, against Texas A&M in College Station. That'll be, that'll be a, a tough one. You know, Auburn beat A&M last year at home. Um, honestly, I don't really know what to think of A&M right now. I don't know who's gonna, if it's going to be Petrino or if it will be Fisher um, actually running the offense. But, yeah, you can't deny how much talent they have. And um, I think that's a big game because of really Auburn's next two games. After A&M, you got Georgia coming in, and you have to go to LSU. So if you lose that game to A&M, you're probably looking at three straight losses in an 0-3 start to a open SEC play. So I feel like that A&M game is huge. Um, if you can win that, I mean, that would be an unbelievable start for freeze at Auburn, uh, going to College Station and winning. And it's in a place where Auburn's had some success before. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I think that's a huge game. I also think Ole Miss coming in will be will be big. You know, you got Freeze against his old team. You know, Lane Kiffin had so so many rumors that he was going to come to Auburn um, after Auburn fired Harson, and it's just it's just uh, Lane Kiffin. You know, you know how, how exciting he is. Um, but I feel like that, like I said, it's in Jordan here. I think the team and the fans will be really pumped up to win that game, um, and then. And then obviously in the season with Alabama, you know, anytime it's in Jordan here, Auburn's got a chance. I mean, we saw that in 2021. Um, so I think that'll be a really exciting game. You know, he freezes first Iron Bowl. Um, so those are probably a few games that I've really circled on the schedule as uh, ones I'm excited for. No, absolutely. And, and kind of growing up, I grew up outside of SEC country, so I wasn't fully familiar. But when I moved right into it, uh, right into Georgia, you know, found a friend that was a big Alabama fan and, and for like the first iron bowl matchup that he, that was coming up when I was, when I became friends with him, he was like, listen, I don't care that out that Alabama is the number one team. It does not matter. It's in Jordan Hare. Anything can happen. And sure enough, they lost. So 
it's unexplainable, honestly. Like, just there's some kind of magic in the air anytime Alabama comes to Auburn. I mean, just the wildest stuff happens every time it's in Auburn. It's, it's inexplainable. It, it is, but I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things about college football. It's amazing. Like, I, I've, been, I've gone to so many Iron Bowls in, in Auburn, and it's just every time you just have a feeling like coming in like something weird is about to happen (laughs) and most of the time it does happen no it does and I love it again one of the best things in college football one of the best rivalries and you get get another we get another rendition of that and gosh that's going to be fun but you know of course as the season's coming along you know there's plenty of bold takes plenty of bold takes floating out there but I wanted to ask you it can be about Auburn it can be about anyone really from the from the from the season itself but what is your Big, bold take for the 2023-2024 regular season. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll do one for Auburn. Um, I think I, this is, you know, when I was filling out my ballot for SEC Media Days, um, I just kind of went onto a website and like, picked every game, and I picked Auburn to beat Alabama, I think, just kind of based on what we just talked about, how it's just a different environment. And, you know, I'm not – I'm not. I, I mean, it's Alabama, so they're still going to be really good. But I do have questions with them, you know, at quarterback. Like, I don't – I don't. I just don't know how that's going to play out. You know, this is one of the few seasons where, in my opinion, if Peyton Thorne ends up being the starter, Auburn will have a better quarterback than Alabama. Um, and you could also you could make the argument for running back too. You know, they got Jason McClellan. Auburn's got Jarquez Hunter. You know, two really talented guys. But you know, just it being in Auburn and my questions about Alabama, I'll say um, my bold take will be that Auburn defeats Alabama. Wow. No, that's a big take. And I think also, I think there was a sneaky bold take that he didn't even put in there. In fact, Peyton Thorne going to be better than any of the guys that started Alabama. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a little two-and-one. I, I just think, like we talked about earlier, when he's Peyton Thorne next to a good running back, like when he had Kenneth Walker at Michigan State, now he's got Jarquez Hunter and just a really a loaded running back room. I think, oh. maybe not statistically, because, you know, Alabama's offense is always so good. They'll have great receivers. But if, I, right now, I would pick, Payton Thorne over any quarterback in the Alabama room. Oh yeah, no, and and I completely agree with you with about the Jace McClellan thing. Um, I know, I know when we I was filling out my ballot, um, he was he was kind of up there as like a guy that you could put in that top running back conversation. I'm like, I just don't think so, especially because I'm super high on another Georgia native, Justice Haynes. That dude has run harder and and better than anything I've ever seen. I think he scored three touchdowns in their spring game. So. I'm not even high on Jace McClellan, but you know, just if Justice Haynes can get going, maybe that's a guy to be fearful of. But yeah, no, that's that's a whole nother conversation, though. But yeah, that's but yeah, no, that's that's fun. I I like that. I like that double 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 bold take, double hot take right there. But of course, it was pretty bold. It was a little, it's a little much, a little spicy. So let's go ahead and tone it down a little bit. Let's go just genuine expectations. You know, what do you think is going to be the record for Auburn? If you had to give a ceiling, maybe a four, I think let's get into that. Yeah, I think for a ceiling, um, just looking at the schedule, I would. I think there's two just definite losses there. I think Georgia, even though it's at Auburn, I just think Georgia's so much more talented. Um, I think that's a definite loss. And then at LSU, too. Um, and then so I would, I'd say for a ceiling, I would probably say nine and three. Um, lose to Georgia, LSU, and then just another one. It could be Alabama. It could be somebody else along the way. As for a, a floor, um, I would say probably probably five and seven. I think that would be the floor. I think um, at, at the very worst, Auburn is just as bad as they were last year. 
Um, so I would say, you know, you just lose Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You just lose just about every – Texas you just lose about every um, SEC game. Um, maybe win a couple. But, yeah, I'd say four, five, and seven. And I would say my expectation you – know, I've just teetered between seven and five and eight and four, honestly. Um, I think that's the most reasonable expectation. I think for most of Auburn fans, too, I don't think there's – I don't think there's many fans expecting Auburn to win, like, 10 games this year. Um, but I think what a lot of Auburn fans are asking is just that Auburn at least looks competitive in its losses. Like like I brought up earlier, you know, you, Auburn can't lose to Penn State 41-12 to at home. You can't get blown out by uh, by Arkansas. You can't let Ole Miss run for 400-plus yards on you. Um, I think if, like, if Auburn loses to Texas A&M in uh, week three or week three or four, but it, like at least Auburn like looked good, you know. Auburn lose like twenty one to twenty, um, and, like but made some good plays offensively, made some good plays defensively. I think if Auburn can go like seven and five, but at least look competitive in most of those losses, I think that's like a reasonable expectation um, among Auburn fans. Absolutely, I mean, com- being competitive alone would just be amazing in, in a first year of a head coach. So, always, you always got to temper your expectations no matter what. You're not going to see guys go crazy. The TCUs of the world are just not the norm. You're not going to see a guy in his first year take a team to the Natty. Right. I mean, that's what I think Auburn fans always think. You know, that's what Gus Malzahn did in his first year at Auburn. Um, so I think that is always playing in the back of uh, Auburn fans' minds. Uh, they're like, well, Gus did it um, in 2013. He did it 10 years ago. Like, it can happen again. I, I guess you never say never. But, um, it, you know, I don't. that's obviously unrealistic to expect. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it's not normal for TCU uh, under a f- first-year head coach to go all the way to the national championship. No, not at all. And and you know what? Ultimately, I mean, Gus Malzahn's not even with the team anymore. So it's just kind of like, if you it, like, honestly, sometimes that that competitive consistency is sometimes better than having a, a massive season and then a massive fall off. Right. You know? Yeah. No, I would. I totally agree with that. You know, it makes me think of Brian Harson's first year. Uh, at Auburn, you know, Auburn started off six and two. Like Auburn's looking really good. They controlled their own destiny in the SEC West, and then just after that, you know, just completely downhill. Um, you know, Auburn finished six and seven. Like let's say Auburn finishes seven and six, but like you said, it was at least competitive. Um, that I think I agree. That would be much better than starting off super high and then just crashing to end the season. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But Jacob, thank you so much for joining me. This was an absolute pleasure talking through Auburn and. All the, the myriad of changes they've been through. But before we get out of here, I just wanted to give you an, an introduce uh, an opportunity to go ahead and plug and uh, uh, whatever wherever people can find you. Yeah, uh, y'all can uh, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Waters underscore. And then, um, yeah, just like I said, the Auburn Plainsman on our website, theplainsman.com. Uh, so those are two plugs I'd like to have. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a great time. Nah, man, it was a pleasure. Thank you.